This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. It's Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. Good morning and welcome to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again. The college football national championship was decided last night in Indianapolis. The number three ranked Georgia Bulldogs come from behind to beat number one Alabama 33 to 18. With 54 seconds left, Georgia cornerback Kel Keely Ringo intercepted Alabama quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young and returned it 79 yards for a touchdown, as heard on ESPN. Biggest third down Bryce Young's career. You need 10, play clock at 4. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown, and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone, and Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. Let the celebration begin. Georgia wins their first national championship since 1980. I want to bring in my partner, Glenn Leverance, football fan. Glenn, uh, it was a tremendous defensive battle in the first half, but in the end, uh, the Bulldogs pulled it off. Oh, yeah, it certainly was. certainly was doing uh, some some traveling last night and uh, finally got hooked into the game. It was 19-18, to 18, Georgia. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then uh, things got, got wild after that. But, wow, 40 years for Georgia to finally get that national championship once again. And what a story, John, about the starting quarterback, former walk-on. Tremendous story. Yeah, Georgia QB Stetson Bennett. Uh, the, the guy was a former walk-on. He, he was so emotional. He did a fantastic job there in the second half. Was in tears uh, down the stretch, uh, realizing that the dream was going to become reality. Can you imagine going from a walk-on to a national championship? Uh, Stetson uh, was named the offensive MVP of the game. So it, it, was, it was quite a show for uh, the national audience. Oh, what a name for a quarterback, too. You know, okay, and you see uh, if he gets drafted, right, uh, you know, picking, blah, blah. Here's Stetson Bennett. There you go. And uh, they're uh, making some plans for a parade in Athens, perhaps, on, on this Saturday. <clears throat> Excuse me, John. And kind of a, a funny note, too. Afterwards, some players actually mistakenly given hats uh, that said Alabama had won. Yes, which, uh, I did probably hear a good, about that. A good souvenir, <laughs> if nothing else. Kind of like Dewey defeats Truman, you know. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, and it's it's a big accomplishment uh, for Georgia that hadn't beaten Alabama since 2007. So uh, it, in, in the end, it proved to be too difficult for Alabama to beat Georgia twice in the same season. So our congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs. A big year for uh, Alabama as well. Another 13 wins, which is uh, is awesome. But uh, a little tear for all college football fans. But uh, the pros will crank it up first round of the playoffs this weekend. Exactly. We'll have a lot more to talk about. Uh, thanks, uh, as always, uh, Glenn. And also, I want to say thank sure you for filling you. in for me uh, last week as I was uh, battling uh, COVID. So I'm, I'm feeling good again. And, uh, and again, thanks so much. You did a great job. Well, thanks, John. It's always great fun and glad you're feeling better. 
Thanks a lot. As always, we begin every show and every hour in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our power scripture as we do every day from the playbook of life is from 2 Timothy 3.16. The Apostle St. Paul writes, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Here at Morning Air and on Relevant Radio, we have a love and a reverence for the Word of God because all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching because it's the Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, not merely the words of men. The Word of God is the Word eternal. It has the power to open hearts and change minds. Jesus left us his church to properly interpret sacred scripture and sacred tradition. Here at the beginning of this new year, we hope that Catholics uh, read and study Pray, share, live, proclaim, obey, and teach God's word more and more every day. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. A number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Now, on Monday, Pope Francis offered his condolences to the victims of the devastating apartment fire in the Bronx borough of New York City that killed 19 people, nine of them children. Investigators say that a malfunctioning electric space heater plugged in to give extra heat on a cold morning started the fire in the 19-story building. Joining us now is Father Agostino Torres uh, to talk about this terrible tragedy, New York City's deadliest fire in 30 years. Father Agostino is a priest with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. He serves on the Hispanic Advisory Board and Young Adult Outreach Board for the Archdiocese of New York. Father Agostino is the founder of Corazón Puro, an organization dedicated to forming young adults to flourish in their call, always grounded in a Catholic identity. Good morning, Father Agostino. Welcome to Morning Air once again. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, John. It's good to be here. God bless you all. God bless everyone who's listening. Uh, Father Agostino, uh, this is a, a terrible, just a horrible tragedy uh, that occurred there in the Bronx. Uh, how has this situation impacted uh, your community? Uh, well, obviously, you know, uh, the Bronx is a, a place where there's a lot of lower income families that are able to uh, to find an apartment. And so sometimes those apartments are quite cramped. Uh, sometimes a, a little three room apartment has as many as 10 family members. Uh, and more sometimes. And so uh, I know the situation uh, well uh, of, of a lot of these families and to hear the numbers, especially of the children, uh, it's a sad day. It's a tough day. And um, and so we're, we're pulling together as a community as best we can to help those who are in need and to help those who are now homeless because of the fire as well. 
It's it's such a terrible tragedy. Uh, can you give us some spiritual uh, perspective uh, on this tragedy? Uh, there's folks that undoubtedly uh, can't help but ask themselves, why would the Lord, why would God allow a, a tragedy like this to happen? Uh, yes, tragedies. Uh, Father Benedict Rochelle, the founder of our of our community, would always say that you know the cross uh, inevitably comes into our lives, and the the great power of God that is that He can take something that is so tragic, so horrible, and turn it into something good. So we do not lose hope. Uh, we do not lose hope that even the the darkest days, the most unexplainable things. Uh, the, the, the things that, that words are almost feel inappropriate to try to say to, to families going through such devastating losses, uh, we have a hope in Jesus that things will be well. And as a priest, John, I've, I've experienced this time and time again when you walk into people's lives and, and it's just like you, you, you can't even imagine some of the things that happen to people. And, and you just, you just you're there. You're with them, you lead them to prayer, and they, they're eternally grateful uh, for you being there in that time of need. Obviously, this this tragedy is uh, the worst uh, fire, uh, victims-wise, uh, in New York City in uh, 30 years. Uh, Bronx being a, a relatively a, a small area, did, did you personally know any of the people involved, any of the families? Uh, personally, no, I did not know. Um, I, I do have a number of um, members of of my my group Corazón Puro that live all around there, um, and uh, it's a number of of uh, Mexican communities up there. Uh, the, the building uh, hit more. It's more of a Gambian, uh, an African community that got that got devastated, and so. Uh, but but we. Um, and our diocese, uh, we're responding. Catholic charities and par- local parishes are, are doing everything that we can to be present to those people. Yeah. Father Agostino, uh, Pope Francis offered his condolences on Monday for the, for the victims of this devastating apartment fire uh, in in the Bronx. Uh, how can we join the Holy Father in, in praying for uh, these families and everyone involved uh, in the fire? Uh, well, I think that definitely, if there's uh, a memorari that we can uh, offer up for these families, I think especially uh, a prayer to Our Lady. Uh, a lot of the families that lost children uh, were our Muslim brothers and sisters, and so I, I know that a, a good way for that that healing to happen between different world religions is is, is through our Blessed Mother, who who they also include in their in their uh, Quran. Um, so I think if we were to pray a memorari in your own prayer, you know, make your holy hour or after mass, is, is a good way. Um, and then also, uh, if, if anyone feels so inspired uh, to to look up New York Catholic Charities, uh, they're they're also assisting the families who are who are there in in beautiful way. My good friend Father Eric Cruz is uh, is is taking charge of that. A, a tremendous tremendous job that they do over there. Uh- Obviously, this story uh, has affected not only New York City, but it's captured the attention of our country. Uh, Anytime that uh, there's a fire of this magnitude and this many children involved, a lot of hearts have been touched uh, by by this tragedy. Uh, Yes, it's it's true, and um, and it should remind us that you know in the uh, 
there's a lot of communities that, that experience this. And, and I'm, I'm originally from South Texas. And so anytime it gets a little cold, you know, people are out there with their space heaters or, or, or their, their, their ovens because they don't really have the capacity. And some of the, sometimes in, in, the, in our neighborhoods, in, in the ghettos, you know, there people are living in houses with faulty wiring. And fires happen actually quite, quite often. And we're, and we're uh, good friends with the firemen uh, in, in New York. And uh, in fact, we're on the same block as them. And, and we see what happens. We see how often that they're, they're busy. And so, and so we hope and pray, you know, that, that some of these situations uh, can be rectified. You know, um, it's always a danger, uh, but, but, you know, to practice safety on our own, on our own behalf, but also, you know, I don't know, there's, there's, there's these simple things that we can do and, and hope and pray that the standard of living can 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 rise in some of these um, in some of these uh, houses that are. I've, I've been there, John. I've, I've visited people, and, and sometimes these houses, it's it's like it's like developing world uh, uh, situations here here in USA. Uh, and so we need to we need to help out in, in any way we can so that so that people aren't living in squalor. Father uh, Agostino, do you think that the situation has been exacerbated uh, during uh, this COVID pandemic, uh, in, not only in the Bronx, but in New York City? How, how has the city uh, been dealing uh, with uh, COVID and with all the mandates? It's been really difficult. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we do have some friends who are battling COVID and, and they're telling us that the hospitals are full again. And, uh, and this, this isn't something that's making the headlines, but something that we're hearing from our people. Um, and it's, uh, I, I think, I think perhaps existentially, John, it probably, it, this is touching on a deep fear uh, on, on people's hearts that, you know, during a time of COVID, we have to come to our homes. But if our homes uh, get filled with smoke and they're no longer safe, like this, this touches another fear that we have. Um, uh, but uh, but right now in New York, the mandates are quite stringent, and and to be honest, we're we're trying to figure it out, and figure out how to continue to help people, but but you know, trying to to do everything that we can. Uh, it's been tough. I'm not going to lie; it's been tough. On another front, um, the city of New York has also been dealing with a, a high amount of crime, especially uh, during this pandemic. A crime has just gone out of control. Uh, how challenging, how difficult, how terrifying it is uh, for the citizens uh, of New York City. Yeah, there, there has been, uh, and I think that there's there's a trend going on uh, really around the world, and it's almost it's almost like you know uh, coming out of lockdown, we we've forgotten how to live with each other in some respects. But all that said, you know on the street there's there's still there's a grittiness, there's a goodness in the people. You know when somebody is uh, is struggling, you know and can't cover funeral costs. It's amazing to see how the people rally. So that's not that's not something that's going to make the he- headlines. Uh, the people people are helping each other out as well. Uh, there there are uh, unfortunately rising shootings and violent crimes uh, compared to some of the lows that we've been experiencing. Um, but um, but that's not the whole story. And then and we continue to see such incredible goodness. And the other thing that they're not reporting on, John, we're seeing conversions. We're seeing people literally come out of the woodwork saying, "I feel like I need to come back to communion." And we're we're rejoicing in that and trying to figure that out as well, because we're 
Scripture says, where evil is present, grace all the more abounds. And grace is abounding in New York City. Absolutely. Uh, the good Lord always seems uh, to bring a good out of, uh, of a difficult situation. And what we've been living with, not just in New York, but across our nation and around the world with the pandemic, uh, has been a very, very difficult situation. Uh, I, I so much appreciate uh, you coming on and, and sharing your perspective, uh, Father Agostino, uh, about this, this horrible tragedy in the Bronx. It's, it's, it's always a joy, and, uh, and, and we do... Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to to call us to to be united in prayer. And please count on my prayers for you guys and for everything that you do. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks so much. Uh, Father Agustino Torres, uh, priest with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and the founder of Corazon Puro. We need to take a break when Morning Air continues. Mary Kate Knorr, founder of Femini Vero, will join us to talk about the recent March for Life Chicago this past weekend. Stay with us. There's much more to come as Morning Air continues after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. You are listening to Morning Air with John Morales. Coast to coast on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Morning Life. Good morning, son. How are you? Skies above. Gee, it's great to be alive and in love. You gotta love it. Good Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Great to be with you once again this Tuesday morning. Our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888 914 9149. Now, this past Saturday, several thousand pro-lifers, as well as a smaller counter-demonstration, gathered at Federal Plaza for the annual March for Life Chicago rally and march in downtown Chicago. March for Life Chicago is considered the largest pro-life event in the Midwest. Not even the cold weather stopped the thousands of people that were on hand. Joining us now to talk some more about the March for Life Chicago is pro-life leader Mary Kate Knorr, the founder of Femini Vero, who developed a passion for women's health care during her time as the executive director of Illinois Right to Life. Good morning, Mary Kate. Great to be with you once again. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, John. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, you were one of our early uh, guests uh, l- last summer. A uh, lot is going on in the pro-life movement. First of all, tell us um, what uh, what was it like uh, for this year's edition of the March for Life uh, Chicago? Can you give us a, a little feel of the atmosphere Saturday in downtown Chicago? Yeah, well, if you want to talk about the feel of the atmosphere, it was very cold. <laughs> um, but it's always so awesome to participate in a March for Life in Chicago, largely for that reason, because even though it's cold and even though it's a little bit uncomfortable to be out there, people show up by the thousands every single year. Um, I think a couple of years ago we had the largest crowd we've ever had with about 10,000, and we got very, very close to that, I think, this year. Um, so it was it was just so awesome to be back out with everyone again. Uh, as you probably know, last year they didn't do quite the same thing. They did more of a tour because of COVID, so they did um, a little bit different. So it was great to just be back out with everyone, and people came out in droves. I mean, we had thousands of people for sure. 
And it uh, never ceases to amaze me how the mainstream media uh, reports uh, on the March for Life Chicago and any of the other marches like the National March for Life in Washington, D.C. It seems like they always downplay, downplay the size of the crowds. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it just it's just typical. You know, they'll, they'll talk about hundreds of uh, anti-abortion activists mm-hmm. on hand at Federal Plaza when the, the number is much more in the thousands. Yeah, you know, and what's so funny about that, too, is that not only did we have more marchers this year, we had thousands of marchers. We also had, I would say, more counter-protesters than we normally have, which to me is always a good sign because it's always a testament of their discomfort. Um, I saw recently that NARAL said that this past year was the most pro-life year that we have had since pre-1973. Um, so I think as pro-lifers, that should encourage us that we are on the cusp of Roe v. Wade being overturned. And it's it's actually awesome to see the opposition that comes out for these things, because that, to me, is a reflection of that fact. It's a reflection of the fact that Roe v. Wade will be overturned very soon. Did you notice uh, an, an extra enthusiasm, especially from, from the speakers as well as the folks on hand, uh, knowing uh, that there's a real possibility that Roe v. Wade could be overturned uh, very soon? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. I think people were were extremely enthusiastic. And, you know, one speaker in particular that I thought really just nailed the message that we need to hear in Illinois right now was Kelly Doerr. Um, Kelly Dore herself was a victim of human trafficking when she was a teenager, and she talked about the connection between abortion and human trafficking and why that is so relevant, specifically in Illinois. Um, as we saw, parental notification was lifted this year, so that's no longer a requirement for um, for young girls who are going into abortion clinics that their parents be notified. Um, and she was just an example of how the speakers did bring that enthusiasm Um because she was so, uh, she did not hold back on how important it is for us in Illinois to get behind the pro-life message um, like so many of the other states have. For uh, folks that are listening across our country and not familiar with with, uh, Chicago and downtown Michigan Avenue, uh, can can you talk about uh, the scene where all this took place? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that's also just such an awesome part of being part of the Chicago March for Life is that we have our rally right in the heart of downtown. We have our rally in Federal Plaza, which is at the center of a a, a whole collection of government buildings. Um, And then when we march, we march actually the past few years, we have marched down Michigan Avenue, um, not too far from the Magnificent Mile, where there's just a mass of, of uh, tourist traffic, and it, we go right past the Art Institute, and it's it's an incredible walk. I mean, you're walking right along the Chicago skyline. It's really, really awesome. Um, so that is one of the best parts of walking with the Chicago March for Life is just witnessing that awesome, you know, those thousands of people coming down Michigan Avenue, um, coming down that main strip. And as expected uh, at this year's uh, March for Life Chicago and in uh, previous years, there's always uh, the pro-abortion groups uh, that, that show up and, and, and try to make a lot of noise. Uh, what was it like uh, from that end? Yeah, you know, like I mentioned, um, I always take that to be a good sign when we have a big 
crowd of protesters, and we had a huge crowd of, of protesters, of people counter-protesting us this year. And so it was just, uh, it's encouraging to me because I think it means that, that what we're doing is making them uncomfortable. And um, there has there have been so many pro-life um, milestones that have been made in the last year, and um, we are headed in an awesome direction. And then, I mean, we had to have had over 100 protest, protesters this year. So just to see that, to see that, that something is happening that is making them feel like they have to come out, um, that's encouraging for me. I think that means that we're doing something right. And Mary-Kate, how challenging do you think it is for uh, Illinois, for the people of Illinois, uh, when you consider that even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it's going to go back to the states, and Illinois continues to be one of the most uh, uh, pro-abortion states in our, in our country? Yeah, you know, I think that as pro-lifers who live in the state of Illinois, um, we have a very particular call, um, because I think that we have a call more so than in any other state to provide outreach to these women, to really extend the hand to them, and to really work hard to reach them before they set foot inside of a Planned Parenthood. Um, and that's obviously a, a more challenging task here in Illinois than it is in other states. But I think that means that the call is, is all the more prevalent for us because we know that there is a need. We know that there is a demand. Um, and so I just encourage people that if you're not already getting involved in pro-life activities in your community, um, I encourage you to do that because we all have a call living in this state. Absolutely. And the March for Life Chicago is just a, a part uh, of uh, a national campaign with the upcoming March for Life in Washington, D.C. Uh, later this month. Uh, uh, marches in, in many other major cities uh, in Los Angeles, uh, the Walk for Life in San Francisco. It, it seems like uh, this, this is the month uh, here in, in January as, as we approach the, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Absolutely. And I will actually be at the March for Life in Rockford, Illinois, this Saturday. So if anyone wants to join us, we start at 11 o'clock um, in front of the courthouse. So, Awesome. Uh, do you feel very optimistic that life is winning in America right now here in 2022, uh, that there's tremendous hope that the tide is turning towards the culture of life in our country? Absolutely, 100%. I, I, like I said, I always look to the other side and what they're saying and what they're doing. Um, and we just saw Nayral not too long ago comment that this last year was the most, uh, they, you know, of course they said the, the worst year for abortion, but of course we take that as being the, the best year for life um, since before 1973. And I think that should tell us everything we need to know. Um, if they are nervous, that means that we are doing what we are called to be doing, um, which is which is awesome. So absolutely, yes, I would say that we are headed in the right direction in this country. And Mary Kate, this is something that we've talked about here on on Morning Air many times. Uh, I really do feel that the tide is turning. There's so many reasons uh, for hope. Uh, just a, a few reasons that I'd like to to touch on here um, before we run out of time. Uh, for example, uh, pro-life is pro-science. I think that uh, uh, more than ever before now, we, we know that it's a baby, and uh, the ultrasounds, uh, for sure, are uh, making that really come to life. Absolutely. Amen. 
Without a doubt. And I think that that is changing a lot of hearts uh, across our country and is part of the reason that the uh, the abortion rates have have come down significantly. I mean, we're, we're talking about almost half of what it was back in the 1990s. And so I think that that's that's also a, a very big positive. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's incredible to see how numbers are changing. I think that so many hearts have changed on this issue. We have really, truly turned the tide. Um, in terms of the number of people in this country who actually believe that abortion is justifiable, I think that we're 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 on our way in the opposite direction now. Um, but also just um, by providing those services to women, I think that we have really decreased the demand um, for abortion, which is also, I think, a really important part of um, changing the culture as opposed to just changing the laws. And the abortion clinics uh, are, are closing like crazy. Uh, almost 80% of all the clinics uh, uh, that were open back in 1991 have shut down. In yep. fact, just even in the yep. Chicago area, there are clinics that just don't exist anymore that people used to, to pray outside of uh, in the past. Uh, I think that that is another uh, example of, uh, of reasons to be hopeful. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, can you talk about the young people? And I'm sure there were plenty of them, uh, the, the Students for Life uh, folks, uh, uh, the We Dignify folks that, that are uh, all over our country uh, at, at these marches, that are uh, the pro-life generation, they like to call themselves, uh, and, and how important that group is here in this battle for life. Yeah, you know, the, the young people and the youth are, are just always one of the favorite parts of walking in any march for me. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, Joe Scheidler and I were having a conversation and he shared with me that it disturbed him that this generation of, of youth, of young people, had never lived in a time that abortion had been illegal and that he didn't want people to forget um, what it was like to live in a time when abortion was was illegal. Um, and I just think it's amazing to observe these young people because that doesn't seem to matter for them. Um, they are just as shocked and um, convicted by the legality of abortion as I think Joe, as I think Joe would have wanted them to be. Um, and that's just that's always really moving to me. So I, I think that the, the young people they're they're the best part um, because they're so enthusiastic, they're so filled with, with life. And they're just so happy to be speaking out for the protection of the unborn, which is just incredible. May he rest in peace, in peace the, the great uh, jo- Joe Scheidler. Um, there's a lot of prayers uh, still uh, left for all of us uh, as, as we continue to pray that, that abortion becomes unthinkable one day in our nation. Uh, and this is, this is the, the, the goal. It's not just to make it illegal, but to make it unthinkable. Amen. Absolutely, John. Well, Mary-Kate, I really uh, appreciate you coming on and and joining us uh, to give us a a little taste of what it was like at the March for Life uh, Chicago this year. Many blessings to to you in, in your work. Yeah, thank you so much, John. Thanks for having me. Mary-Kate Knorr, the founder of Femini Vero. We're going to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Uh, licensed marriage and family therapist Doug Hinder will be with us once again to discuss Pope Francis' secret for a happy marriage in just three words. Stay with us. There's much more to come on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much uh, for being with us here this morning. It's always great to be with you uh, as we begin this Tuesday morning. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. Now, Pope Francis noted that uh, while a pandemic lockdowns have allowed families to spend more time together, the newfound closeness has tested the patience of couples, of parents, and siblings. The Holy Father offered some marital advice to couples struggling uh, during this ongoing pandemic. Joining us now is licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinder to talk about Pope Francis' secret for a happy marriage in three words. Doug's passion is working with couples to help them live the married life that God intended from the beginning. He's been married for 40-plus years to his incredible wife, Shirley. They have nine children and five grandchildren. Good morning, Doug. Welcome back to Morning Air. Great to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us once again here at the beginning of the new year. Yeah, thanks, John. Good to, good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Doug, let's talk about uh, Pope Francis' secret uh, for a happy marriage. What did the Holy Father have to say? You know, it's amazing. There's this document, this letter that he wrote. You know, our Holy Father doesn't write like a theologian. He writes like a father, like a grandfather. And and it's a beautiful letter that he's written to all uh, all married couples and families. And so there's a number of great little gems in there, but, but he does uh, about halfway through, he, he references, uh, his, you know, his, his document of Morris of Ticia in the 133rd paragraph there, um, where he says, listen, I, you know, may every family be a place of acceptance and understanding. Think about the advice I gave you on the importance of those three little words, please, thanks, and sorry. Right. And, um, I mean, that's it, right? And I, so this is one of the things that just gets me a little excited about the work I do. And, and there's some great research out there now that, that can really help you identify what the, you know, the qualities are of good, successful marriages. And the more I look at the, the research and the data, the more it aligns with what our faith has been teaching from the beginning, which is how it should be, of course, right? And Absolutely. so... The John Gottman is like the leading researcher out there, and, and he talks about the three legs of the stool of, of, of a good, solid marriage. Friendship, affection, and appreciation. Well, those are the things that the Holy Father nailed, in, especially to Morris Leticia in that, in that 133rd paragraph. So, so, you know, the word please, well, that's affection. You know, that's kindness. And so our Holy Father is saying, hey, show affection to each other, especially in, in, our, in our speech, right? Say please. And you know, often, uh, you know, we treat strangers uh, with greater kindness than we do our spouses sometimes. And so he's saying, no, 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 affection, treat each other with affection, say please a lot. And then thanks, um, uh, or please, I guess, is, is more affection, right? And then please, thanks is, is appreciation. 
which which the research shows is really a characteristic of solid marriages is is the ability to appreciate uh, each other and and the contributions of your spouse to to your life, et cetera. And so here, I you know, John, I always like to leave your your listeners with a couple of uh, practical pieces of advice. And and here on thanks on the word thanks, I think what I would encourage your listeners to do is make a list uh, of all the things that you're thankful for with your spouse, you appreciate about your spouse, that you think is really terrific about your spouse. And, you know, it won't take a lot of time. You'll go over 20 or 30 different things that you're grateful for. And then go off to the, you know, to the drugstore, buy a box of these, you know, these cards, these blank cards. You know, they got uh, hot air balloons on the cover or flowers or whatever, and you open up and it's blank on the inside. And then write down one thing from your list on each of those cards. And then a couple times a week, leave one of those cards, you know, in front of the coffee pot or near the bathroom or on your spouse's seat in the car. So that they're going to come across these little love notes of the things that you are really thankful for. Uh, And that by itself, that would be a great New Year's resolution, is to two or three times a week, leave your, your spouse just a little one sentence love note. Okay. And I think that would please our Holy Father a great deal as well. So please, and thanks, and then sorry. Um, you know, uh, I don't know that there is a more important quality to a long-term successful marriage than the ability to, to give forgiveness. Because, you know, unfortunately, we all married somebody with defects. And, you know, we're victims of original sin and we pick up a few bad habits. We go through life. We become selfish and prideful and, and angry, and and those things. You know, the devil's constantly trying to pull, you know, drive a wedge between married couples. And so, the ability to give forgiveness and to receive forgiveness is perhaps the single most important quality for a long-term successful marriage. And our Holy Father nailed it. Doug, um, I think that the, the Holy Father uh, makes it so simple, and yet it's it's not as easy as it looks. Uh, these uh, three words, uh, please, yeah. thanks, and sorry. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense uh, here to really uh, to focus on this here at the beginning of the new year. Uh, the, these are very practical pieces of advice that we all can put into, into action. I mean, uh, just yeah. simply uh, showing affection, showing appreciation, and and, and having an, uh, a forgiving heart. I mean, it, our, our spouses are not perfect, and we have to forgive uh, when when they do something that rubs us the wrong way. Well, man, for sure. And I, you know, it's interesting if you look in the scriptures, and I think it's the Pharisees who ask the Lord, "Why did Moses allow um, people to to issue a decree of divorce and, and dismiss his wife?" And, and our Lord's well, from the beginning, it wasn't that way, but because of the hardness of your hearts. Moses allowed you to write the bill of, of uh, divorce, but, but from the beginning, that's not how God intended it. That phrase there in the middle, our Lord says, because of the hardness of your hearts, is unbelievably powerful. And what I have found in the couples I've worked with is once a heart has been hardened, either the wife or the husband, but once the heart has been hardened, it's almost impossible to save that marriage. And so it's really one of the things Gottman found was that from the time a couple realizes they're in trouble and they need to get some help until the time they actually get help is on average six years. And that is almost always too long because there is a hardness of heart that is set in 
and you can't breathe life into a stone. And so it's interesting, in our Holy Father's letter on the third page, second paragraph, he says, keep seeking help then so that you can overcome conflicts and prevent even more hurt for you and your children. So our Holy Father is saying, get counseling. If you're struggling, get some help. Find a good counselor who can help you heal what's going on in your marriage. And don't let your heart be turned to stone, because when that happens, it's almost always the death knell for a marriage. Uh, Doug, and we're uh, joined by Doug Hinder, licensed marriage and family therapist. We're talking about Pope Francis' secret for a happy marriage in three simple words. Uh, please, thanks, and uh, sorry. Uh, how challenging has it been for married couples uh, during this pandemic, Doug? <laughs> it's been extremely challenging, especially for those couples uh, that are both working from home. And now they're with each other 24 hours a day. And, man, that can get on your nerves. I don't care how great the person is you're married to. If you're with them 24 hours a day, that can get to be kind of annoying. And, uh, you know, we've got this COVID fatigue going on now. We've been just beat up by this thing for going on to two years. And people are just wearing down. And I'm, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you look at it, but I'm really busy these days. And a lot of it is... Couples are just stretched so thin, they've really kind of run out of patience. So it's been really tough on marriages. It's so easy uh, to forget uh, these three simple words that uh, our Holy Father is reminding us uh, day to day in, in our uh, everyday life. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. And, you know, if you go to uh, Morris Atichia to that same paragraph, and he doesn't reference it in his letter here. But uh, in the document, Morris, the teacher, he talks about the love of friendship, uh, which is creates one of the three legs, right? Friendship, affection, appreciation. And friendship, he says, unifies all aspects of marital life. And, and you know, successful marriages don't just happen. They are the result of conscious decisions to do the things you need to do to keep your friendship alive to continue to show affection on a daily basis and, and appreciation and to forgive. And, and um, so I think, yeah, at the start of the year, I, I you know, the, I like the idea of showing appreciation, making a list and communicating that to your spouse. And I like the idea of well, one of the keys is um, to set aside a certain amount of time each day to invest in your marriage. And so, you know, I often ask couples, John, listen, are you want to make a 1% daily investment in your marriage, just a 1% investment. And all couples say, sure, of course, 1%. Well, 1% comes out to about 15 minutes a day. And so one really strong recommendation is carve out 10 to 15 minutes a day where you can sit looking at each other, eyeball to eyeball, knee to knee, and you can work on affection and appreciation. And you can work on what it is I really love about you, how blessed I feel that God has brought you into my life. And um, it seems easy, 10 or 15 minutes, um, but it's not. And especially if you've got small kids, it's a kind of a tough thing to be able to carve out that time. But I think in terms of New Year's resolution, showing uh, appreciation on a regular basis and carving out time each day to grow in friendship, affection, and appreciation. 
And it doesn't have to be something complicated. It could be something as simple as just uh, drawing a little smiley face and saying thank you uh, on a yeah. sticky note and leaving it on the kitchen by the coffee pot for, <laughs> for your wife. I mean, yeah. little things, uh, I think, uh, really can make a difference. I absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know what? We've got uh, text messaging now, and you can send a smiley face emoji dick. That's good. I really encourage couples, though, to do it in writing. Do it on a piece of paper. That takes more than just pushing a button on your phone. And, you know, w- what are you going to do when you open that card that says, hey, I love what a phenomenal mother you are for our children and the love that you put into how you relate to our kids? Well, what's your wife going to do with that card? It's not going to end up in the garbage can, right? It's going to go in her dresser and a drawer in her dresser. She's going to save it. And over the course of a year, she's going to end up with 20 or 30 cards in her dresser. But she will pull out from time to time and reread. Uh, and that's powerful. You know, that's to know that this person I'm going through life with, and I've been with for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, still appreciates me, still values me, is still happy that I'm in his life or her life. That's, I don't know how you undo the power of that. That's a staggeringly powerful thing. Doug, what other, other advice does uh, the, the Holy Father have uh, regarding how to uh, deal with uh, our family and friends? Yeah, great, great question, John. I, I think uh, he talks a couple of things here in, on the second page. He talks about uh, marriage being a, a vocation and a sacrament. Uh, and that's the one thing that, you know, that's how we Catholics look at marriage differently than anybody else. It's a sacrament, which means there's sacramental grace available to us. But we've got to be in a position to to receive that sacramental grace. And one of the things I always encourage my couples to do when we're starting down this journey is to get in and make a good confession. Uh, not that they're not in a state of grace. They probably are. But let's make sure there's no impediments to the Holy Spirit being able to, to give you all of the grace available in that sacrament as we're trying to rebuild the marriage. And so realizing the sacramental nature of marriage is huge for us. And there's all this grace available. I think that's that's key. He also talks about keeping Jesus in the center. Uh, and and that's a consistent theme that I see with the couples who generally are successful in, in marriage counseling is it's, it's a three-way deal. It's, it's the husband, the wife, and Christ. And um, I really encourage couples to spend some time in adoration each day if they can. And so many churches now have adoration chapels that it's easier than it's ever been, I think. And hopefully that trend will continue. Uh, but keep Jesus in the middle of the thing. And, you know, uh, it's pretty hard to be angry at each other, walk into an adoration chapel, and walk out a half hour later still really angry. <laughs> you know, there's something about sitting there in front of our Lord where whatever it is you're mad about doesn't seem all that big a deal. So um, sacrament, confession, keeping Jesus in the center, I think, are a couple of really solid uh, pieces of advice in his letter. Great advice, Doug. We're celebrating a Morris Letitia family year. What is the Holy Father saying about inviting married couples and what they can do here in this new year? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, I think what he wants us to do is to re-understand, re-explore the unbelievable mystery of the sacrament of matrimony this gift from Jesus. He brought Adam and Eve together to form the first family. And it's the cell 
of society, right? And so I think he's saying, listen, rediscover the love that our Lord wants you to have for each other. And don't, you know, find a way to rise above all of the turmoil of everyday life and paying the bills and mowing the lawn and cooking the meals and doing laundry. Rise above that to really be able to celebrate this love that our God has for us, that he has brought the two of you together uh, as a domestic church. And rediscover that and and rise above all of the the trivia of life that tends to try to get in and, and pull marriages apart. Doug, we have about 30 seconds. Uh, your final thoughts. Sure. My, my final thoughts are, listen, I, you know, marriage contains a lot of uncertainty, right? You don't know what you're getting into when you get married. Uh, and that's okay. You keep Christ in the center of it. You keep your love in the center of it. And, and you'll find ways to work through the, the tough times. And if you're, if you're struggling, get some help. Don't wait. There's nothing wrong with getting a marriage coach. Find someone who can coach you through the difficult conversations and help you build and keep your love alive. Amen. We'll have to leave it there. As always, thanks so much, Doug. Really appreciate uh, your very practical advice. Always great to talk to you, John. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you. Doug Hinder, licensed marriage and family therapist. For more, you can go to happymarriageforlife.com. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called The Old Lady and the Baskets. It's from Maria Hanna. There's a story about an old lady who was living in a small village. She'd never owned nor even been in a car before. One day she was returning home from the market carrying a big heavy basket on her head when a rich man riding in his car passed by. Kindly he offered to drive the lady to her home. She thanked him and got into the car with her baskets. On the way the man glanced at the lady in the mirror, still holding her basket over her head. Astonished, he asked her to lay the basket down in the car and rest. The old lady naively replied, Oh, my son, your car is carrying me. This is enough. I should not burden it carrying my basket, too. What an innocently funny response. We sometimes do the same with God. Every day, God carries us during the day. Still, do we insist on carrying our heavy baskets of worries and fear of the future, or family, kids, spouse, money, job, etc.? We're carried by almighty hands watched over by sleepless eyes, and God plans our future. Let us then relax and lay down everything in God's hands. The old lady, if she agreed to lay down the basket, would have to carry it again when back home. But the beautiful thing about God is that once we cast our heavy basket in His hands, we do not need to think about it anymore. 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Much Glenn coming up next hour. Catholic evangelist Martha Fernandez-Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com, will tell us about doing ordinary things with extraordinary love. Plus, Deacon Martin Brown from the Diocese of Gary, Indiana, will join us to discuss the Holy Father's monthly intentions for 2022. Don't change that dial. There's much more to come here on Morning Air next hour on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.